Welcome to The Crux. Each week, two of the world's top communicators take you behind the scenes of the news of the day to explore the crux of communications that are shaping business, politics, and our daily lives. Hi, this is Gary Sheffer. And hi, I'm Mike Fernandez, and we're glad to be with you from Boston University. Gary, great to be here with you today. Uh, we're going to have in a moment uh, the, the real treat to talk to Mark Klusterman uh, about the work that uh, his firm has done on uh, revitalizing the Volkswagen brand. Uh, so that, that should be a lot real of fun. Interesting story. And Mark is uh, one of the most sharp brand people I think we've spoken to in a long time. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He's phenomenal. And and also, I think what's interesting is even kind of the European perspective that he brings to this, because he approaches this from more of a strategic bent, because his firm isn't the one that designs the logo or whatnot. Uh, But they do get into very deep discussions around what does the brand mean and what is a reputation and what does that mean for uh, various entities. So we'll hear more of that. And, and coming out of, for him, the work, um, you know, one of the worst integrity scandals. Oh. And, you know, I mean, just overtly the diesel emissions, you know, Absolutely. chicanery that they, the Volkswagen uh, went through. So uh, really interesting case study and great, uh, a great guess. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that fascinates me is, you know, we live in a world now where people not only talk about uh, the brands of these large yeah. companies, but they talk about, you know, personal brands. And one of the brands that to me is intriguing, and I know you've, 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 you agree with me on this, but is the, the brand of a CEO yes. and the brand of CEOs in general. I mean, clearly, you know, what we saw some years ago with the protests against Wall Street, mm-hmm. and now that's taken sort of other twists and turns as there have been continual crises in different industries. Uh, but, uh, you know, what seems to be an avenue out or an intent to build reputation is what we're beginning to hear. And I've even used the mm-hmm. phrase myself in the past with CEO activism. Right, right. You know, and, and I give these companies great credit. I mean, you think about like CVS yeah. getting rid of tobacco, uh, Walmart limiting some ammunition and sales of guns, um, even seeing uh, more companies with uh, some of the science coming out on what vaping does, particularly to young people, now not selling those products any longer. So I, I don't mean to dismiss right. those things. I think those are really um, leadership moments. Yeah, and they seat. can be. Sometimes they're also motivated by dollar. Exactly. Uh, because and, and it's nice when they can actually meet up. Right. I mean, clearly Coca-Cola has done a great job on sustainability, yeah. and a lot of that was reinforced by their need for clean water for uh, their products. Completely. Without water, no mm-hmm. product, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but I was reading this this uh, past weekend, um, Mike Allen and Axios, you yeah. know, the great uh, newsletter writer out of Washington, talking about the, the the political and diplomatic role of CEOs increasing more than ever and the pressure increasing on them to take positions and mm-hmm. to take actions in the absence of governments that largely have been paralyzed in a lot of cases uh, politically. Well, and you think about it, even, you know, when we were back as chief communications officers, I know that there was a collection of large companies that came together, including the one I worked for in Cargill, right. uh, to have discussions with the Obama White House in preparation for COP21 and yeah, the Paris it, environmental discussions. Completely. Uh, which um, 
has now been abandoned by the current administration. Right. And, and, and a lot of companies are doing their part on climate. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, and and uh, if you look at uh, the, the companies that measure mm -hmm. their carbon emissions, most of them have uh, kept them uh, at an even sort of keel or reduced mm -hmm. them even while they're growing. Yeah. So, and again, this is some of this is in response to employee pressure, yeah. um, protecting the license to do business, right. uh, particularly outside the United States where climate is a much more uh, passionate topic yeah. for people. But, but, you know, I mean, companies, whether it's a GE or it's a Cargill, one of the key premises that we began to operate under is whatever we did in one location, we couldn't just look at what yeah, exactly. the law was in a different location and all of a sudden do half of what we did elsewhere. In fact, there became a GE global standard. There became right. a Cargill global standard. Totally. And that actually was good as we talked to various governments. In fact, I remember having a conversation with Secretary of State John Kerry, yeah. who was very impressed by yes. the fact that a lot of the companies around the table, actually, it wasn't, you know, we had this standard for the United no. States, this for Nicaragua, you know, this yeah. for the Ukraine. Instead, it was universal. Right. And that, that was in itself making a huge difference in terms of yes. environmental change. And you might remember my my CEO, Jeff Immelt, uh, he took a leadership position on uh, on climate. He actually went and read uh, National Academy of Sciences reports one summer vacation, became convinced of the reality of the threat and and sort of the anthropomorphic is that the right how you I think say so. it? it almost goes humans causing it. Yeah. And uh, of course we um, launched Eco Imagination, but then he became involved politically with John Kerry, Senator yeah. Kerry, to try to get some legislation passed um, and just politically was it went nowhere and uh he got creamed by you know the fo meaning jeff the fox mm -hmm. news types and all that mm -hmm. but and probably I, his mother and probably his mother <laughs> exactly who was a fox news watcher uh, as is his dad um but uh i i just note all of this after reading mike allen's thing and at the bottom of uh mike's thing he said well you know ceos to your point tend not to be the most trusted people in the world these days mm -hmm. for whatever reason and some of this is seen as being self-serving more mm -hmm. than social value and uh, mike allen says you know one of the things they got to take a look at is um, ceo compensation mm -hmm. and i believe 2018 was the first time that we had these ratios that were mandated by the, by SEC, the sec right that's right. right on how much the ceo makes compared to the median worker, yeah. well, right? You know, and it's amazing. So the, so the rule actually was designed several years ago. Mm -hmm. And so people knew this was coming. Right, right. And now I remember being involved in the discussions around this. I think there are some people who believe the SEC, it, it, it gamed it a little bit. You know, this comes out of Dodd-Frank, right. Mike, right? right? You know, right. so in the, in the financial crisis, uh, nonetheless, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's in the ballpark or it's accurate, it's important. And um, so the first numbers um, came out, and, and the average chief executive of an S&P 500 company earned 287 times more than their median employee last year. Um, so how many of them were worth it? Did it exactly, question? you know. <laughs> and they earned the, the average CEO pay in 2018 was $14.5 And uh, the average uh, median worker um, was 39888 Mm -hmm. uh, and that for the CEOs was up 
a half a million dollars from the year prior. Is this Fortune 500 company? Yes, it is. Yeah, S&P 500, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. And and the workers in that period, now CEO pay went up a half a million and worker pay went up about a thousand on average. So we all know that in this economic boom, you know, Mm -hmm. historic, unprecedented that we've had uh, since the financial crisis, um, that the equity uh, or the the uh, pay compensation for workers and 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 middle class has not increased nearly yeah. as much. So, my yeah. bring this all together is um, I, I I love CEO activism. I love the leadership that people, but man, they're going to have to take on some tough issues. And I believe CEO pay it might not be the top ten things on your list from a CEO standpoint for the mm-hmm. sustainability of your company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I always thought that, Mike. You know, I always thought, look, we've got a hundred things in front of us that are more important than yeah. how much the CEO makes, but. Yeah, it, but yeah, and, and, and there are, you yeah, know, yeah. There, there are a hundred more <laughs> things more important. I mean, I mean, the challenge though is, you know, you can't sort of say one thing yeah. and, and try to portray that you're That's goody right. two shoes. And then on the other side, uh, these huge compensation uh, packets uh, they get into bonuses, and some of it's hidden in terms of what that long-term ter- payout might be. Um, we're uh, we're pretty opaque. Yes. We're not very transparent uh, about even to what's reported, and and so there's there there will be challenges, no doubt. That's right. Uh, you know, Occupy Wall Street might have been the beginning, <laughs> and we may see more down the line. Now, all of that said, I think what happens from an accounting standpoint, and I'll, I'll put my, my green eye shades yeah. on here. Mike's got an accounting degree. Right? <laughs> it reminds us about every 15 minutes. But go ahead, Mike. Yeah. But, but it's like, so there's always the test of materiality in terms of what you share with the public. And for a large company, you know, an S&P 500 company, the actual salary of a CEO wouldn't meet the test of materiality. Yeah, exactly. And so if it weren't required uh, by SEC regulations, we may never really have a clear picture of this. Uh, but the challenge becomes, okay, so is, the, is he getting or is she getting paid for what value she has brought right. to the company? And that's a tough test because, you know, there, there are consultants out there that are targeting pay based on the performance of others. And I remember as a chief communications officer, you very quickly looked to find comparatives. And the comparatives were either in industry or similarly sized companies. And that becomes sort of the safety space. And then you're always pointing to the other guy or gal who's, you know, making a lot more uh, and saying, well, see that we didn't make as much as uh, John or Jane over here. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank goodness for the entertainment industry. I don't know if you know, <laughs> if you look at the highest paid CEOs, it's like, Bob, I, they make extraordinary amounts of money. Les mm-hmm. Moonves, when he was at CBS, just at the top of the list. It really is amazing. But I, I'm with you on this. I think companies need to be just simply tell people what were the CEOs measured on? Mm-hmm. You know, what, is, what were the board expectations mm-hmm. for the CEO during that year? Because you have to disclose mm-hmm. this every year, right? What was the performance against those metrics? Mm-hmm. And what exactly, what's on his or her tax statement, right? Well, <laughs> How well, much did they make? 
I, and then you get into stock options. You get yeah. into all these things. Yeah, well, you know, and, and it's interesting. Life tends to get more complicated even as we say yeah. we want more simplicity. Right. I can remember when I first went into telecommunications years ago and our CEO, Sol Trujillo, said, I want to be that company that doesn't have the fine print. Right, right. Right? But almost everything does. Right, right. Well, you know, back after the financial crisis, my, GE, uh, GE CEO Jeff Immelt, you know, we'd had a bad couple of years, you know, mm-hmm. in the stock market, particularly. And um, just his poor luck, The he was due a three-year bonus, one of these long-term incentives, plus his annual bonus. And the board voted to get, mm-hmm. give him those bonuses. And I think it was 14 or $15 million. And he said no. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, everybody has suffered, you know, in the past few years mm-hmm. because of the financial crisis. And instead of doing it in a proxy statement, mm-hmm. right, we had a blog at the time, GE Reports, and Jeff wrote a short note in plain language saying, I'm not taking my bonuses. Mm-hmm. It's, and, and it was highly effective. And I wish more CEOs, his idea, his mm-hmm. execution, yeah. I wish more CEOs would have that kind of direct step up human contact. So I got one more thing to, to whine about. Again, I, I, I love CEO activism. You know, this is my, uh, you know, caveat. But um, in this Mike Allen piece, uh, he lists Tim Cook from Apple. Who's a good guy. Who's a good guy and done the right thing on immigration and a bunch of things mm-hmm. and uh, as being a leader mm-hmm. among CEOs uh, on public policy and other things, human rights, mm-hmm. uh, certainly been a leader in human rights. Mm-hmm. But then I had noted in the New York Times a couple of weeks ago, um, there's this minimalist phone company called Lightphone. And apparently their phone, I've not seen one, but their phone is like an e-ink. So uh-huh. I, I guess it looks like, you know, just black. And uh-huh. it's just a phone. Just a phone. Now, they're coming out with Light Phone 2, which I guess will have a, a few more features. But they took out a full-page ad mm-hmm. in the New York Times on a Sunday and said, Tim, you know, you have said that our phones are making us crazy, essentially. Right that if you are spending more time looking at a phone, mm-hmm. then you are looking in people's eyes, then we have a problem, <laughs> right? And, I, and I'm looking right now at a billboard. We should t- probably say the same you know, thing t- for the Maytag <laughs> folks, you know, with all the different buttons on totally. washers and dryers. So here's, it, here's a billboard they took out. I think this one was in LA. It said, Dear Tim, you also said technology should serve humanity, not the other way around, period. Roger that, much love. Light phone. <laughs> so they're challenging Apple, uh-huh. you know, and Tim personally. Keep it simple. To keep it simple and that we ha- socially, this addiction to phones yeah. is be- detrimental to the development of young people, yeah. our social interactions, which I think is true. Yeah. I, I don't know of any research. Yeah. You know, I, I can't speak to that with any expertise. But my point being, people like Tim Cook are going to face some really existential well, questions yeah, in the although, future. Yeah, although some of it's going to be consumer demand, right? Right. And what else is out there? And it's interesting on this question because uh, this past summer I actually met this guy. Uh, his name's uh, Matt's Matheson. Yeah. And he runs this company called Hold. Yeah. And it's Norwegian. Right. And what was funny when meeting him is that he's – probably early 30s, I could be wrong, right. uh, but youngish guy, right. and he was upset by the number of 
young people that were spending like their entire lives on the phone, right. doing all different kinds of things. And he came up with a business built around this. Right. And it's an app that you download to your phone and then it keeps track of when you're on your phone or not, and it gives you like swell prizes if you don't <laughs> use your phone. So it gives you discounts and, oh, right? and free coffee, you know, discounts to the, wow. the movie theater and whatnot. And apparently it's all the rage on university campuses in Norway. Wow. And something like 40 plus percent of the students actually <laughs> subscribe. So maybe, maybe if, if Hold catches on, yeah. maybe Apple will, Feel the heat and have to exactly. simplify. Well, you know, and technology, much so much of this technology is new. Yeah. Right? Relatively new in our lives. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about how the iPhone is not that old. Yeah. Um, I mean, even look at the vaping situation. You know, that technology is brand new, and now we're beginning to realize. So... I you don't realize we're starting to talk like chocolate ice. Wait, here, no, right? exactly. <laughs> I was just going to say, I don't know... Well, you look, you look at the, you know, you look at the NRA and gun supporters and they, they want to make video gaming mm -hmm. the cause of all of this. Right. Without any evidence. Now, right. if you were a video, if you worked for Activision, right. Blizzard, whatever it is, yeah. this is an issue that I'm sure they are studying, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. what is, so my point being, all this technology is new mm -hmm. and uh, sometimes you don't know what you don't know, but you, yeah. you, you proceed on faith. Yeah. And I just think, you know, you, you look at Facebook. Right. You know, we what was who thought, you know, just you know, telling well, your friends that you had a birthday party, and then look at all of the ramifications from yeah. journalism through, yeah. so, you yeah. know, social, we, pro you know, yeah. exactly. Yeah, we live in the land of unintended consequences. Yeah, right. Now, all sorts of things can happen. Exactly. You know, the, the, the flip side of that, though, I mean, because I do think there's a balance. Yeah. I think on one hand, we do live in the land of unintended consequences, and there are some things that happen that aren't good yeah. as a result of technology. Right. But I will remind people listening yeah. that technology has really given us so many oh, yeah. great things like air conditioning and refrigeration yes, yeah. and all of it as, as well as new medicines and whatnot that have allowed us to live longer. Keep in mind that the normal human life in the United States mm. at the turn of the century from the 19th to the 20th yeah. century, so we're talking, you know, the 1800s right. to the 1900s was about 42 years of age. Wow. And now people are living twice that. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of the norm. And so uh, we need to be cautious because, uh, I mean, even National Geographic a few years ago did a cover story, The War on Science. Yeah, exactly. And it just showed that, you know, people are a little iffy yeah. about things that are new. And if we see things bad, let's close it down. Or we believe things that are inherent in our own political um, philosophy, bubbles, yeah. you know, so you'll, you'll, you will have science showing that GMOs are perfectly good. And yet, if you're a liberal <laughs> or you have that tendency, oh, yeah. you'll, you'll say, ah, no to NGOs, yeah. uh, or not NGOs, GMOs. GMOs, yeah. That's what I meant to say, yeah. GMOs. Or you might modified. say no to both in that case. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then on the other side, you've got, you know, uh, conservatives that say no to climate change. Yeah. And clearly the science is there. Yes. So what you're saying to me, Mike, mm -hmm. is that I'm sounding a little nutty. This morning <laughs> on this on this podcast. No, I I complete. I agree with everything you say. I just love thinking about these issues. Yes. Yeah, no. No. I do and, too. And and what 
Um, and I do think there are unintended consequences to a lot of things. Exactly. Exactly. So like, I, like the students who take my class, for instance. <laughs> exactly. So, so anyway, the, the one other thing that I wanted to bring up this week, because we talked about it last week, was we're in the middle of football season here in New England, and you know the Patriots had another big win yesterday. They seem like a juggernaut this year, yeah. but they did it without their wide receiver Antonio Brown, who we talked about sort of, and he's not there. What team is he with next week? Oh, exactly. <laughs> well, he so he's not there because of his personal communications. Yeah, right. That's because right. he tweeted coming back to personal brand. That's right, personal brand, and he tweeted out you know something negative about. The women who have I've alleged, accused have yeah. accused him of um, assault or harassment. And, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, I find it, you know, that in this case, that lack of discipline, mm-hmm. right, or judgment mm-hmm. um, to, uh, Which you at know, times we're all faulty of. Yeah, exactly. But imagine being <sighs> in the NFL communication shop or the... Ugh. Patriots communication. Apparently, Bob Kraft, the owner of the, the there Patriots. There are a lot of bald people today. Yeah, right. <laughs> or the And Belichick, the, the coach, the legendary coach, didn't like what he had written. Yeah. That was the last straw. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I'm always amazed. I think the NFL brand is, you know, it's got some challenges, but I also think it's a well-run league. Yeah. And, and they gave this guy a chance. Correct. You know, and, and, and then posed with additional evidence. Yeah. And the way he even reacted to the evidence. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, th- there's a great book a few years ago that Marshall Goldsmith, yeah. uh, you know, the executive coach, right, yeah. uh, wrote. It's called Triggers. Yeah. And so much of life in terms of what gets us in trouble is how we react right. to events as they unfold rather than the events themselves. Yeah, exactly. And I always, you know, think back in these. You'll like this. I always think back to the Yankees about everything and pretty much in life. And, <laughs> and you know, we are a country of second chances. We are a very forgiving um, people. And um, so people, I think, were willing to give this guy another chance. Mm-hmm. Let's hear the evidence. And sounds like the NFL is doing that. But I think back to remember the, gr- the he was a great reliever, a left-handed Steve Howe. Oh, yeah. And he pitched for the Dodgers, and he had a terrible cocaine addiction. And that guy, we was suspended, you know, that guy probably got six or seven second chances yeah. and just couldn't kick it, ultimately. Yeah. Um, and, but, and I think the difference there was he was very, uh, and it's a different situation, he, he was very apologetic mm-hmm. about it, and, and he, he made clear his struggles with the addiction Mm-hmm. And so people are like, give the guy another chance, yeah. right? And and he got a lot of them. Yeah. And so um, that personal brand of his mm-hmm. gave him those opportunities, whereas um, in this case, it sounds like uh, there's no sort of second reflection yeah. by the athlete on um, the situation that he's in. Yeah. Well, let's go talk to Mark about big brand. Big brand, exactly. VW, great brand. Hey there, this is Gary Sheffer. I'm here with Mike Fernandez in Good the Crux Studios at Boston University with our great graduate assistants, Kenneth and Jess. And we have a stu- uh, studio guest All right, this week, Mark Klusterman. And he, you're from the VIM group. You're the CEO there. Correct. Yeah, I've been for quite a while, so uh, it's my pleasure. 
And 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 so the reason we wanted to have Mark on, other than he's a terrific uh, guest and a communicator, is that last week I think we mentioned the rebrand going on at Volkswagen, and um, Mark's group has worked on that. We want to talk to him about that. We want to talk to him about some of the work he's doing with Arthur Page. And uh, I, I want to start though, Mark, with VIM Group. Tell us about it. What kind of work do you do? Uh, I see uh, sort of a tagline on your on your uh, website is improving your brand performance. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, thank you, Gary, and uh, and also Mike. It's just great mm-hmm. to be here. I have this opportunity. What we do is we we specialize in helping uh, our clients to change their branding around the world. So of course we have a lot of beautiful words to express <laughs> around that. But basically, in in most simple terms, if you want to change your branding due to a repositioning, uh, due to a merger, a carve out. Uh, due to digitalization, uh, happens a lot. Um, our clients come to us to, to ask for support in how to manage that process. So it's not about the design process. Mm-hmm. It's more about can you help us sketch the roadmap for how you want to go about this change? And then can you help us execute the roadmap? So that's basically uh, running project management and change management, uh, mostly for global or international clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you have and some big clients. I see DHL, Merck, Airbus, etc. Yes, uh, and um, yeah, of course, that's also one of the, the, the reasons that we have this conversation. But uh, indeed, global clients uh, that want to change their mark in the world, and sometimes literally their mm-hmm. mark, mm-hmm. and of course, there's always a strategy behind, um, but bringing those programs to life is, uh, is, is really uh, important. And, and one of the things I find fascinating as we look at the work of VIM is that you actually have clients who've been with you for multiple years. You know, I noted that like ING has been a client for over a decade. And Gary, you and I, when we've worked <laughs> in companies, you know, we've always thought of, of a brand or brand exercises as a little bit of a so something you do as a project. And maybe that yeah. project lasts a year or two and, and then it's kind of done mm-hmm. and then you might revisit it, you know, maybe a decade yes. later. And, and, and yet, uh, we're seeing this where clients are signing on to you, your firm. Uh, is that being pushed by just the pace of change, technology? Well, I think first and foremost, we are not an agency. So mm-hmm. if you're an agency, you get pitched, you're mm-hmm. on the roster or you're off the roster, right? right? And <laughs> right. I don't have to tell you how that works from all sides of, mm-hmm. the, of the equation. For us, uh, brand, and that's also my personal passion that I want to bring to the page society, Brand is the most viable uh, intellectual property or intangible asset of an organization. And I'm, yeah, it, it's just not being treated as such. Mm-hmm. Um, you will have governance for, for all the uh, assets and functions in an organization, whether it's production or sales or HR, but not for brand. Mm-hmm. It's somewhere in communications, mostly, mm-hmm. or it's in marketing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, of course, it, the, the interesting thing about brand is it's, it's about the intangible relationship between uh, an organization and the stakeholders. Right. And to manage that is mostly put high in the organization, but the touch points and the experience is all over the place. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a, in terms of the orchestration of that asset, that's a very complicated thing. And the, so the reason that we have long-standing relationships with our clients is that they recognize that the, the process side and the, the boring uh, business <laughs> administration <laughs> side of the thing um, is is a very is a thing with longitude, and if you know an organization how they work, you keep getting uh, back in with new questions. It's mm-hmm. not that we work on a retainer or something doesn't mm-hmm. happen. We're also not interested, but it's really 
managing brand over time is a process. So we get questions about the brand governance and how that should be sure. when the world is changing for digital. You well, you get a whole array of questions about unification of branding mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. or, or the other way around. Yeah. House of brand, brand of, around brand architecture. But then a lot of our work is really in uh, well, making it happen. I mean, um, one of our clients is uh, ABB. Mm -hmm. um, and we've been working Great for company. the last yeah. yeah four or five years with them on their global brand transformation journey, setting out what were the objectives in the beginning and then gradually moving in that way. Digitalization of the brand because of course they manufacture a lot of heavy equipment uh, products Big stuff yeah and all the devices will be connected to the internet mm -hmm. twenty four seven so that's a massive shift in their business and uh, well Gary uh, who am I talking to you right. know all that. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I used I mean, to. I used to, Mark. Yeah, yeah. yeah but you can yeah, <laughs> relate to that. So, I mean, I think that's a bit of a long answer to the question, but mm -hmm. it's really about managing brand assets. No, it's a great answer. And I want to ask you to go just a little bit deeper, actually, on the change management part of it. Yeah. And, and what do you mean by that? Is that a cultural effort? Um, yeah. And how do you how do you go about that working with your client? Yeah. Um, in, in the most simple terms, um, one of the former page members, you may know him, Case Van Riel. Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 okay. Very much, yeah. He's been advising us really for like for the last 20 years. And I, I learned from him that if you want to change corporate identity back in the days, mm -hmm. there's only three things that are important. Uh, and it's uh, it's changing the logo, mm -hmm. simply in the most simple terms, right. changing the behavior or the mm -hmm. attitude mm -hmm. and changing the communications. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what we specialize is in changing the logo. Mm -hmm. uh, well, of course, there's a lot to it today mm -hmm. uh, in the digital world. Um, so we don't we're not specializing in uh, managing the change of the behavior mm -hmm. in the company. Mm -hmm. um, and we're also not the, the ones who uh, are uh, at the table to changing the communication. Mm -hmm. So the, the media effort, uh, whether it's owned uh, or, or paid or earned. And um, I think if you look at the, the second part, the, the cultural change, mm -hmm. what I see a lot is that's where a lot of um, organizations, brands are struggling really, mm -hmm. because it requires very much of a long-term effort mm -hmm. I mean and it takes a very stable hand right and this is a problem because most clients are not in a stable organization <laughs> and most executives uh, are yeah, you less just look at turnover situation. that's right no I mean if the CEO changes other people change and uh, to, to then stay true to what the values of the companies are that you identified all together like two years ago mm -hmm. is 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 very difficult to withstand for a lot of people because everybody is a human yeah. he wants to make them so seeing through cultural change is really I, I'm a firm believer that an organization should take on themselves mm -hmm. um, but it's difficult due to the organizational dynamics especially in and I'm not talking about M&A where we bring right. two global businesses together, together and then find new values yes. I mean or impose the values of the existing organization right. smash them into each other yeah. exactly. well, well the great challenge is all three of these things ultimately have to be in alignment and there's got to be a plan yeah. that serves as sort of a, a backbone for it I know one of my favorite uh, philosophers and Yankee great Yogi Berra <laughs> uh, once said that if, if you don't know where you're going you'll end up somewhere else <laughs> And yeah. uh, and so as you think about this and you think about that complexity of, of change in the C-suite, what do you do to try and put in place so that there is some consistency, is some alignment as you move from logo to culture yeah. to communication? 
Well, I think the reality is there's a lot of uh, dynamics in an organization. So anything you need to see through for more than three years is difficult mm -hmm. in itself. Mm -hmm. So if you take communication, culture, and, and, and the identity, mm -hmm. uh, the middle bit is difficult in itself. Mm -hmm. So that's why most of the focus is always on the other two. Mm -hmm. right. and, and there's another benefit to the communication and changing the logo. Mm. In, again, in the most simple terms, you can buy those with money. Yeah. Right? And that's great because <laughs> money we can free up if we have a good story. Mm -hmm. In my world, that's a business case. Mm -hmm. Right? Because we, we work on a lot of making the mm -hmm. investment case for change and what is required to do it. So the way we usually realize the biggest impact is that we um, help our clients to budget for the change and the impact they want to create strategically. And if you then go to the board um, and get approval for the budget, well, then you can, of course, set up a PMO to really run a program for one of two years, mm -hmm. uh, which has a communication component, which has also an, a behavioral component, but that is then the long run. Yeah. And what you can change very quickly is anything that needs to change, you can just make sure it changes. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, that's usually... Um, the, the way to eat the elephant in, in pieces yeah. Yeah, exactly. and start with the parts that you can pull off quicker and the rest well postpone a bit yeah <laughs> so speaking of eating the elephant let's talk about vw yeah so this uh, is I, I think mark right still the largest car maker in the world i believe i think so yeah, yeah. and I, and is that is that inclusive of just them or their broader i think they're broader yeah, yeah. when they've got because they have lamborghini mm. right as part of the family yeah, the, and audi, yeah. audi and yeah. Yeah. mainstream brands are skoda and seat mm -hmm. and audi and volkswagen right mm -hmm. and volkswagen group i have like six hundred thousand employees mm -hmm. Um, and then, of course, they have some very famous luxury brands. Uh, Bentley. And yeah, in the group. Oh, I didn't know yeah. Bentley was yeah, in the group. Bugatti, yeah. I think, right? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, see, I never shop in that area. Yeah. My Neither do I. I. <laughs> but I look. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so y you have been supporting Volkswagen. Now, in, in the, this country, uh, obviously, we think of Volkswagen, we think of the bug um and the wagon uh the you know the 1960s bus you know oh, yeah, the, the vw the van, bus the yeah. traditional but this is the biggest rebranding maybe in history right of of just and I, and I pulled up some statistics on this vw you got you're going to have to go ahead and 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 do it in 171 markets on 154 countries across 10,000 dealers and service partners yeah. Uh, we talked about the logo. 70,000 logos will be replaced in that time. So just a massive elephantine uh, project. So tell tell us what prompted this. Obviously, Volkswagen has had some problems with the emission uh, issue. Uh, so can you tell us, on behalf of your client, you know what what generated the, the change? Yeah, of course. Happy, uh, very happy mm -hmm. to do that. So, I mean, the new brand design... It, it marks the start of a new era for mm. Volkswagen, mm -hmm. indeed, just, yeah. just to your point, uh, Gary. And by formulating new content and with new products, uh, that, yeah, the brand is, is undergoing fundamental transformation towards a future with neutral emission balance for everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not saying we will be neutral, but mm -hmm. it's towards mm -hmm. a future of, mm -hmm. of becoming neutral. Hence why the company has chosen that now is the right time to, to make the... Yeah, the new attitude of the brand visible to the outside world. And I, I think it's quite important. We see a lot that um, when companies embark on a brand refresh or a rebranding effort, one of the main reasons to do is that the strategy has changed. Mm -hmm. And if you if you start explaining a new strategy <laughs> to the world, but you cannot make it visible right. or tangible, then you don't have a story to tell. So if you, if you talk about the communication yeah. uh, a bit of this... Uh, 
I've been over the last 15 years in a lot of conversations with our boards where really the element that made the board tick was like, look, you have created a new strategy. You work now for six months with all the senior management that will now cascade into, that's all great. But how are you going to tell the world? Because mm -hmm. buying this in terms of media mm -hmm. attention, yeah. I mean, everybody goes, well, who cares? Right. Yeah. Whereas if you change the appearance of your brand, even if it's only evolutionary or, or right. revolutionary, mm -hmm. you get the free opportunity to tell the story. Because now you're starting to, to talk about how many logos, yeah. which then gives the brand the opportunity to tell you why, why? Yeah. which is exactly the whole point of the exercise. Yeah. Well, and what's fascinating to me is even what you guys have on, on your website, and, and it's relevant, I think, to, to the VW story. Uh, you say, we believe that brand performance is underpinned by a unique, authentic, and relevant brand promise that must be proven day in, day out. Yeah. And so as we think of VW in this rebranding effort, well, what do you see as unique, authentic, and relevant? Yeah. Well, of course, they had their uh, challenges with uh, the diesel emission mm -hmm. a few mm -hmm. years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, they've been hit by that, and the legal proceedings are still ongoing, mm -hmm. but that will be resolved mm -hmm. in, in any way. Um, but then, um, maybe luckily, the biggest mm -hmm. change in the industry is coming towards them uh, on the electrification. Yeah, and, and they've and made and a big the, commitment. Too. And also the autonomous mm -hmm. driving. Mm -hmm. So it's not strange that uh, for senior management, you can see how you do this. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, in hindsight, this... Uh, event with the diesel, uh, let's be honest, they were the yeah. first but not the only ones. We've seen right. it in so yeah. many sectors. Exactly. They've been hit most because they, they were the first and, and big, mm -hmm. so you take the heat for that. Uh, but then it's also, of course, a wake-up call for, for the board. And I think if you look at all the big players now, they will be uh, coming out of this ahead of the pack because they got hit right. by something. Yeah. And, and in a way, um, that that's beautiful. Well, what's the old phrase? Don't waste a crisis. That's right. right. Well, you have to make change. To the point. Yeah. And um, I, I think that's uh, what's interesting for me, uh, working with larger clients. I mean, this this client is very large. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's not so. It's difficult to be agile if you have so many people. And if you see how they've been approached, this uh, also in a I would say in a German culture, if I may say, being mm -hmm. from Europe. Of course, the Germans are known for how solid they are organized and they have their ducks in a row. <laughs> and it's difficult then to change and to be agile. Mm -hmm. But um, I think this crisis has really got them in a point, okay, we have to revisit what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And now they've gotten their ducks in a row and they will come out with so many new models to yeah. really yeah, flow the market with yeah, the new and models I, and the new line. I, I, and I love this new phrase, electromobility for all, which they yeah. talked about at the launch. And now, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to say this right, Mark, but the new vehicle is a 33,000 US. Is it ID.3 or is it just ID.3? I think ID.3. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a sedan um, yep. that's obviously more affordable than the Tesla, yep. comparable Tesla. And uh, you're also, uh, Porsche is coming out with... Uh, not that I know anything about Porsche. Yeah, it's yeah, probably yeah. Porsche. I'm looking at that. Yeah, yeah I look at them, right? You know, the, they're coming out with a Taycan sedan. But what, yeah. what really intrigued me in reading about this is that uh, there are rumors, at least discussions anyway, that Volkswagen is approaching the cost for the batteries that puts cars on par with yeah. these electric cars on par with fossil fuel powered yeah. vehicles. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. so this is, 
this is very much like the bug, very much part of the legacy Absolutely. of affordability for everyone, yeah. right? I, I do think that um, this has a lot to do, of course, with the business case for mm -hmm. car production. And of course, Volkswagen is a European car manufacturer mm -hmm. originally. So the cost, for example, of uh, fuel in, in uh, Europe is much mm -hmm. higher than it is over here in the US. Mm -hmm. So that gives you a different business case on the continent. And also in some of the European countries, there's quite some subsidy if you start driving an electrical car. And the other thing that's important for driving an electric car is that you have enough charges. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Correct. So the infrastructure <laughs> needs to be in place. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, of course, where the world has to catch up. But I think, well, the jury will be out now. I mean, it's taken some time for the, for the, for, for the car industry to, to, uh, to, to catch up with yes. what Tesla is doing. Of course, Tesla has their own challenges, mm -hmm. as we all uh, can read about. Mm -hmm. But I do think that uh, once the, the, especially the German car manufacturers have sorted themselves, and that's exactly what's happening now, it will go quick. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, will be different in the US than in Europe, I think, if you look at the, mm -hmm. the prices of fuel and cars. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So uh, a couple of years ago, you published a book with uh, one of your colleagues uh, from the firm, and called Future Proof Your Brand, mm -hmm. and focused a lot on kind of data-driven insights around uh, the, the whole thing. And in it, you cite several technologies. You talk a little bit about uh, AI and 5G and yep. virtual reality, um, and how they're beginning to transform businesses. My question to you is, uh, are we beginning to see it transform marketing and communication and branding? Well, I think, um, the, the, we have described four, indeed, main uh, technological trends from the, from the fourth industrial revolution. If you, I think uh, the, the whole uh, way organizations are selling their products is changing radically. Mm -hmm. um, let's just, there's a, there's a number of, let's, let's, let's do two examples. Yeah. If you look at the automotive sector, mm -hmm. I mean, we have been working for BMW uh, for over the last decade. And especially if you have to refit a new dealership for BMW, it could cost like two million U US mm -hmm. to, mm -hmm. to refurbish mm -hmm. in a new right? brand no. brand style or brand mm -hmm. experience. And then three years ago, Oculus Rift came out with uh, the VR solutions. Mm -hmm. So if I was a marketeer in an automotive company, I would just send the VR kit <laughs> to my prospect <laughs> and because I could yeah, give them exactly. the same immersive experience. And right. the reason that, that refurbishing uh, especially flagship stores for for bmw was very expensive is they wanted to create an omni-channel experience so you walk in the door you hear the music of mm -hmm. bmw mm -hmm. you feel the wind along uh, your <laughs> pants and you go like wow i'm really into it yeah huh? but it's quite costly to make that uh, around yeah, the person absolutely. physically yeah but with a vr device you can just send it to someone or you can send a sales rep to them and well, tell them not to leave before they sign <laughs> where they need to sign. <laughs> it's just a very simple yeah. example. Another example is in the uh, artificial intelligence um, area, I would say. Um, if you imagine the, 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 what we now see, the voice-controlled devices. So mm -hmm. what is the importance of voice mm -hmm. in branding? I think it's quite a hype at the moment, but let's let's take one simple example. Say I am selling batteries, mm -hmm. and I have a mid-market uh, battery brand. Um, so Duracell is top of the market, and Amazon will come with uh, prime batteries, mm -hmm. right? Right, low exactly. market. So 
I'm in my home, I need a new battery because some remote controller stopped working. So I start talking to Alexa and I go like, Alexa, I need <laughs> new batteries for the remote control. Right. Now, normally you would be in front of a shelf in a shop and you would see the five brands and you could see the... Make a selection. But, but if it's a voice controlled uh, steering of your, of, your, of your customer journey, basically, yeah. I think Amazon or Alexa will ask me, do you want prime batteries or do you want Duracell? Mm-hmm. I mean, I cannot yeah. imagine that they're going to offer five choices. Right, right. Because exactly. They wanna, they yeah. Either they go, they drive you to prime, yeah, right. <laughs> or they drive you upmarket because they won't get you anyway. Interesting. So it means if you are a mid-level battery brand and, and you have been sold traditionally in a shop and now, well, by my wife or by my children out of the living room, you should really revisit the customer journey and how that works and the interaction right. because it's coming at you. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, I don't. It's I, the I, type I, of things where you see radical change and, everywhere. And and um, how you you work a lot with the auto industry. So how's that affecting them? In other words, uh, you, you know, you can see in the states these days, you know, you can order cars online, right? Yeah. You could order them on your phone. Yeah. Is the day of the dealership to your is that going away? Do you think, Mark, over the long term? Well, I think if you look at uh, Tesla. Yeah. So uh, Tesla uh, has, like in the Netherlands, mm-hmm. free dealers. Yeah. And you can only go there when you make an appointment Is online. Right? Okay. Yeah. And then you can't <laughs> get the car to, to have, a, have a test drive. Yeah, right. You the, the, the sales rep, uh, they have a beautiful name for the person, uh, no doubt. Uh, the the <laughs> genius, <laughs> BMW. Is, anyway, so they will drive with you. And only if they have driven the car for 15 minutes, they let you drive. Because they explain to you that this is a different car, it behaves differently, yes, and you should yeah. not push yeah. the, the throttle straight away. So I think that's, that's like an, in, in where I live, uh, the, the Volkswagen has uh, 100 dealers and, yeah. and all the yeah. brands. Are. So there's no doubt that will, that will change radically. Yeah. Um, of course, there's a lot of experiments going on with people who try to sell car brands online, right. like multi-brand. Yeah, right. So how much money do you want to spend? Do you exactly. want a new car? It's it's like if you book a hotel, the first question, how much money do you want to spend? And spend? then we'll give you yeah. what's of it because we've got everything. <laughs> I mean, you was the, the the platform industry uh, is yeah. not there yet in yeah, the in exactly. the in the automotive yeah. business. I think yeah. it's in the hotel sector, it's in the in the in the travel sector everywhere, where they just put interfaces like Booking.com or or others in between the providers of the product and, and the, the, co- the space. And the well, and, and when you think about it, the actual cost of the product is less, so the, the barrier to entry is actually a little less. Yeah. Uh, so that's that, that's why those things sort of sort of lead in that space. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I just wanted to get back to the video. I'm just yeah. looking at it here as we talk. The yeah. logo itself, it's going to be very familiar for, we'll put it up on our site to our listeners, yeah. but the W doesn't touch the bottom of the circle that's around it anymore. And it gives it you know, I don't know anything about design, Mark. I yeah. am a word guy, but it gives it a more airy, you know, airy, sort of light, okay. you know, <laughs> light. What do you think? Am I, am I <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> don't no. you think it gives it a lighter uh, feel to it? And maybe that is very consistent with the strategy on electro electromobility, et cetera. I don't know. I, well, I could be, you know, completely wrong on this, right? Yeah, well, of course, this is for, for people who are highly <laughs> specialized in design, which I'm not. I mean, this is design that is very similar to what the logo of Volkswagen looked like in the 60s. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Very similar to the 67 yeah. uh, logo. Um, and, of course, we've seen, uh, if you talk about... Uh, the, the visual language that yes. organizations use, I mean, you will recognize that a lot of 
10 years ago, a lot of um, uh, identities were fairly square and straight. Yes. Yeah. And now with the rise of tech, and again, this is in the most simple right. terms, you see everything will be circle or round okay. right. and softer color. Right. Yeah. Because, well, we're, we, because we want to be more human. Yeah. 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 And, and also the way they've, they've handled color is it almost gives it a 3D look. And yet what this logo does, I, I mean, I think what's significantly different yeah. in, in, in my mind's eye when I look at this is the VW logo that they had been using right before this was sort of part of that same toolkit. It was, it had this kind of 3D look and now it's more 2D. Yeah, and, in, in, and I would guess that part of that is they're trying to send a message that around simplicity. They're trying to set a, so the, this idea that you can plug and play your car, right, right, you know, because we're going to be uh, offering uh, you more electronic. So I am never talking about design again. I get it. I think what you, what you can see is that the, the company's chief designer, so the car designer, is Klaus Bischoff, and he, he was vital uh, in in, yes. the, in the in the whole process of creating the new corporate identity, and they have. Yeah, created an authentic communication platform for the, say, more emotional presentation of e-mobility. Because, of mm -hmm. course, that's right. the path. You have to show that you're moving into the, In the, right into the, into the future, and that's what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, they, they talk about digital first and no filter. Mm -hmm. yeah. And no filter, of course, is quite relevant exactly. for in, if you look at where they come from. Yeah. Uh, they, they've more than anybody realize that you have to be authentic. Yeah. And, well, as communicators, we don't have to explain to each other that you have to earn that yeah, you don't exactly. you don't get that and you can lose it um but but i think if you see where they've come out of they will be more motivated than anybody and will understand better than anybody how important that is mm. so that's quite a shift yeah, change exactly we so, see that everywhere so we're lucky enough to have you in the studio mark today because we're all in boston we were here for the page society annual conference and uh, we talked about some of these issues uh, mm -hmm. obviously um, and uh, you've been uh, working, uh, one of the aims of PAGE, which is the sort of premier organization for CCOs around the world and leading academics and heads of agencies, is to globalize uh, yes. PAGE. PAGE has traditionally been a U.S.-based uh, organization, and we're determined uh, to globalize. And you've been very involved in this. Tell us, uh, you were the head of the International Exchange last year in Amsterdam, I believe, yes. and uh, you're going to be helping us again this year, next year, uh, on our exchange in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, that's correct. Well, I think um, I'm now with Page for three years, mm -hmm. and of okay. course uh, yeah. you've been with Page much longer. Yeah. But what I really uh, appreciate about Page is the is the most thorough thought leadership research that's being conducted around the world. Um, and then, of course, the member the member base of Page as a result of the globalization is expanding. Page has 800 members, of which are roughly 200 now non-US. Non-US, yeah. And I think if you look three, four years ago, we had maybe 50 members. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, you will remember yes. that. So um, clearly, that's that's quite a shift. And I think um, if you look at, at where the well, where the world is at this moment, um, I, I've been for the last four days in my hotel room. I've been switching between Fox and CNN. <laughs> <laughs> and oh no! Oh no! <laughs> but that's just because that's the content that I can relate, and all the others are really American uh -huh. uh, broadcasters. Right, right. And it's it's just amazing to see um, how opinionated uh, all oh, the channels yeah. are on the same topics. Right. And then if you look at the whole digitalization and all the social media that we have. Of course, everybody, all the people in the world only get filtered information yeah. to them. So if I like what Trump is doing, I only mm -hmm. will see 
uh, what, what people endorse. So right. If I don't like him, I will choose a different channel. We live yeah. in bubbles. And the polarization yeah. resulting from that is massive. So, and that's why I think the globalization is really crucial because mm-hmm. um, if you look, for example, from the from the part of the world where I live, we could not imagine um, uh, at the time because we have we're leaning more to what what Mr. Obama was doing. Yeah. We could not imagine that a Mr. Trump would win the elections in Europe. Right. Mm-hmm. But he did. And we could also not imagine that uh, um, the UK would go for a Brexit. Mm-hmm. Right. But they did. So, I- in a way, it's very strange because y- you start to realize, hey, apparently we're the minority. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the majority has chosen different. No? Yeah. But there's nobody I know that thinks differently. Right. Right. So right. Right. Well, there's, and, and you interact a lot with the business community. The business yeah. community in, in the United States uh, has a mindset. They want free and open markets. They want to be yep. able to trade. That uh, they, they want to maintain alliances and so on and so forth because it's in the best interest of commerce. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So. Uh, so we're so we're as as miffed as you are. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, well, perplexed. I, mean, I think yeah. we all are, but. Uh, but that, yeah, but this is not to go into politics. Yeah. I'm just saying that the, it's the, it's difficult to create bridges between all the opinions, and I think this is where the globalization of page is playing a vital vital role. I mean, next year we will be in February, we will be in Abu Dhabi, mm-hmm. um, which is of course it's it's a strange way of saying it sitting here, but Abu Dhabi is the middle of the world, right? right? <laughs> yes, and the middle of cultures. Yes, uh, yes. it's like going to Turkey, right. where you have right. east and west coming together, um, and then we'll be in Paris. Uh, mm-hmm. where, of course, the, the French have always had a very special position in the world. Mm-hmm. But also, if you look from a communication and branding perspective, they have created the biggest fashion brands in the world. Right. So, um, yeah, it will be very exciting to see. And the last conference that we had in Amsterdam, that was the first international exchange, was also fantastic to see that we had a total uh, international audience. There right. were hardly people from, from the Netherlands. From the, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that, uh, for page listeners out there, um, uh, those exchanges are open to both page and page up yeah. members. And page up is sort yeah. of the um, an organization for the leading uh, number twos, if you will, uh, yeah. in page organizations. Yeah. And yeah. E- to that point, even for the Abu Dhabi International Exchange, we've decided, uh, well, also in, in cooperation with the board, that it's open for page members, page up members, but for the first time also for prospective page oh, members. Oh, terrific. Oh, that's terrific. So they have to qualify. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. If you don't qualify, you c- Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I think that's a really uh, beautiful thing and also yeah. a great instrument for Page to drive the internationalization yeah. forward. Because right. um, I'm also the, the country chair in, in Germany and the Netherlands. And there we're hosting uh, twice a year uh, dinners or forums. Mm-hmm. And that's also where we, we use that to, to liaise with prospective members and uh, to test the water from both sides. And it works really well. Yeah. Well, Mark, I like what you said about Page. I mean, it really is when you think about the organization. Um, an incredibly powerful group of people. Yeah. Uh, you know, these are people with influence over some of the most important institutions in the world, mm-hmm. significant influence. And uh, I love what you say about the, you know, building bridges, you know, and, and, yeah. and continuing dialogue in a civil way with some common goals. I think it's, uh, I think it's well put, very yeah. well put. So, yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, w- one last question for you in, in, from, from me is that, uh, so you've worked on all these amazing brands. You know, we've talked about ING, talked about IKEA, uh, talked about VW, Volkswagen. Um, are, is there a brand out there that you wish that you say, <laughs> oh, my goodness, I would love to have an opportunity 
to school them and help them uh, so that maybe they could yeah. actually achieve what they might want to aspire to. Yeah. Well, maybe uh, this is going to be a bit of an atypical answer, I'm afraid. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. If I may, just yeah. some history. I was... I was not trained as a communicator. I was trained as a chartered auditor mm -hmm. at KPMG. Mm -hmm. And this is now more than 20 years ago. And just so you know, I'm sitting here with an accounting degree. Mm -hmm. oh yes. Boy. <laughs> 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 Again, I left that business 20 years ago, <laughs> 20, over 20 years ago. But the thing is, in my whole uh, being, I'm fairly rational. Mm -hmm. And we work, uh, so we work in our business, we work on the logic, mm -hmm. where like branding agencies work on the magic. Mm -hmm. And uh, it also relates to me personally. I'm fairly, uh, there's no high peaks and also not high, deep lows, mm -hmm. uh, generically <laughs> speaking. You should ask my wife. <laughs> or my kids. Yeah. Yeah. But, but to the point, so I am not someone who is really uh, into what brand I love, uh -huh. although we work with the most beautiful brands of the uh -huh. world. And I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here, uh, we are doing the work for Volkswagen. Well, if you look at it, into the world from out of Europe, well, what more can you wish if exactly. Volkswagen, uh, as they did, comes comes to you? Mm -hmm. uh, so I, do, uh, I, I have difficulties answer, answering that question. What I like, and that's back to where we started, mm -hmm. I think brand is more important and more powerful as an asset for an organization. And I think this is really uh, what, what, what is important for board members to realize, and I think they understand. If you want to treat brand with the right governance, you have to start treating it as an asset and you have to talk about what, how are we organized for brand. Right. That will then can get you into, because uh, we had a, a, a quick pre-conversation and you were talking about changing the logo once every 10 years, but mm -hmm. we have a database talking about mm -hmm. uh, metrics and we have uh, kept the, the record of the rebrandings for the last 15 years and how often you rebrand, how that is across sectors, mm -hmm. what's the cost of doing that, uh, the investment that you need. And it's on average is one every seven years, mm -hmm. whereas certain sectors mm. it's quicker and other mm -hmm. sectors right. it's, it's longer. So, um, yeah, again, a long answer to your question. I, I'm not oh, that picky, <laughs> 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 but, yeah, but you'll, very you'll take all comers. And a very <laughs> diplomatic answer, uh, including VW. I, I, so listen, Mark, thank you very much from VIM Group, the CIO there, just involved in an exciting new uh, strategy and, and logo change for uh, Volkswagen. And th th by the way, the ID3 car gets introduced mid-year next year in Europe and by the end of next year in the United States. Yes. And I've had a look at it online I'm, and it looks really slick. Yeah. No, the rollout is this year and next year. Okay. But it will be a flood of new models. So okay. uh, you will have plenty to choose. Uh, whatever Excellent. you want to look at. Excellent. Uh, Excellent. It's in my price range. Uh, <laughs> 33 grand. So there you go. Thanks again for being on the cross. My pleasure. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Crux, and make sure to listen for our next episode. Follow us at The Crux on Facebook and on Twitter, and you can find our episodes on SoundCloud and on our website, thecruxpodcast.org.